What's going on? Welcome to Base Liberty, episode 32. Darren Wisely here. I'm so thrilled to be with you, coming to you live from our headquarters here in Jefferson Township. Today, of course, is Wednesday, November 4th, 2020. Been a crazy week, been a crazy year. This is our first live episode, so I really appreciate you taking the time to tune in here. Uh, 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night. And, of course, we're talking about the Electoral College. So I've received a lot of questions, whether it's uh, friends, acquaintances, people on social media. I mean, the last 24, 48 hours, just a plethora of them. So I thought I'll do my next uh, episode on it. If you're not familiar with my podcast, Base Liberty, you can listen to that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, all all those places. Subscribe. Like I said, I have 31 other episodes. So there's some good stuff in there, and we always appreciate the support. But I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do an episode on the Electoral College. I think that would be good information for people. Um, but I thought, you know, let's just do a live one, and, and uh, if I don't answer all the questions people have, then we'll do a Q&A at the end. So the format of this, I'm just going to go give kind of a broad overview, what it is, the history, why it matters, and if there's anything I didn't cover or you know maybe I didn't clarify well enough, then uh, I'll leave it open for questions. You can just put in the, uh, in the chat there. So um, hopefully I'll answer as much as I can. And like I said, I'm happy to stick around, uh, if I don't bore you guys to death through this, but, uh, no, we'll have some good stuff. So I'm excited and, uh, and thanks a lot again for tuning in with us. So first off, what is the electoral college? So you have electors who choose the president when you're voting for president. Um, you're actually choosing the president indirectly you're voting on who the electors uh, are going to choose. So how are the electors chosen? Different states have different processes. So some of them have uh, party conventions, primaries, things like that. There isn't a one-size-fits-all. And the reason is, is because the states are sovereign. So states have different procedures in all these elections, just like the ballots are different, um, a lot of different election things. People think, oh, president, then, you know, this one country, everything's going to be standardized. But that's just not the case. And the reason for that is because the states are actually selecting the president, um, not directly through the, the people of the United States. So, um, important distinction. Really, if you want to understand American history, you want to understand constitutionalism, you have to look at it for what it is, which is a federal system. It's not this one nation thing. Uh, it's not one size fits all over 360 million people. So right now there's 538 electors. It's been like that for a while, I believe. And as you know, if you've been paying attention to the election, it takes 270 to win. So you have to get that majority to win. If someone doesn't have a majority, it goes to the House. So this has happened three times. And um, the most notorious instance is the first time in 1800. And that was between uh, Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr. Of course, Thomas Jefferson, 
Uh, well, I got a shirt on here, actually. Thomas Jefferson won. And story, I, I think I talked about this in the Alexander Hamilton episode. Definitely check that out if you haven't, because Alexander Hamilton is one of the worst villains in American history. Just got to get that out there. Um, if you know me, you know how I feel about Hamilton. But, uh, he, I mean, he's the father of big government. He's the father of crony capitalism. Uh Father of the military-industrial complex, father of central banking. I mean, all the awful things in our country today can be traced back to him. Of course, the Supreme Court usurping power, the federal government usurping power. So that's Hamilton. But uh, the one person Hamilton hated more than Thomas Jefferson was, of course, Aaron Burr. So he persuaded his allies and played a large part in getting Thomas Jefferson elected because, again, the House voted on that one. In 1824, that was the next time. That was between John Quincy Adams, which is John Adams' son, and Andrew Jackson. John Quincy Adams won that one. And then the one other time was 1837, and this was actually about the vice president. This was Martin Van Buren's uh, vice president. For whatever reason, I don't know much about this, um, but it had to do with faithless electors, which is something we will get into. And they didn't like this VP for whatever reason, faithless electors played a role it went to the house so the electoral college is set up in the constitution in article 2 section 1 clause 2 and that lays out uh the procedure there now the before the 12th amendment the president and vice the vice president was just whoever came in second in the presidential election so For instance, in the 1796 election, John Adams comes in first, Thomas Jefferson comes in second. And so John Adams is president, Thomas Jefferson is vice president. And these were two people from opposing factions. John Adams was with the big government Federalists. They weren't really politically parties like we have today, but they were factions. And then Thomas Jefferson was the Republicans, the states' rights, limited government. So you have... Two different, I mean, it'd be like if in 2016, imagine if Trump wins the election, you have Hillary Clinton as vice president. I mean, that's how it would be if we didn't have the 12th Amendment. And you can see how that could lead to problems. It'd, it'd be entertaining. Could you imagine four years of Hillary Clinton as vice president and Trump just trolling her the whole time? I mean, that would, <laughs> I mean, you think it can't get uh, uh, any funnier, but that would be hilarious. So, most states are winner-take-all states, uh, the exception being Nebraska and Maine. What they do is they don't give their electors based on a winner-take-all. So, winner-take-all is just whoever wins a state, like Michigan, we have 16 or whatever it is. And, yeah, I know, I I should know, but, you know, you win Michigan, you get all. Doesn't matter if you won by, you know, a couple hundred votes, if it was real close, or if it's a blowout. Doesn't matter. Winner take all. But these two states have it by congressional district. I actually like this method a lot better. Because think about it in Michigan. The interests of Detroit in urban areas are going to be way different than our interests, you know, out here in Cornfield County. So if we did it the way Nebraska did, then presumably, you know, Detroit... In areas like that, Ann Arbor, of course, super liberal, those would go to Biden or the Democrat. And then down here, 
and in other rural places would go to the Republican, Trump. So, and you have this, you know, all throughout the country, really, you have these, um, I mean, think about Minnesota. I mean, the big cities there are the only reason they're blue all the time. If it weren't for that. So, I mean, it would provide that balance, and I think it would be a better for for representative government because then you're getting a say based on really what's hitting home, what's close to you, rather than your whole state because I think, you know, people, especially if you're from Hillsdale County watching, I don't think we have much in common with people in Detroit or people in Ann Arbor. And then also... Uh, Washington, D.C., I think they have three electors. I mean, I think that's just dumb. Why does D.C. need electors? I mean, the only people that live there are just swamp creature bureaucrats. I mean, they can just vote in their own state. I really don't like that at all, to be honest. I mean, they're not, they're not a state. So... That's kind of the overview. Again, you have any questions, we can answer that at the end here. But that doesn't answer, what I said probably doesn't answer the question of why we have this electoral college. So I will get into that. I mean, I touched on it a little. It's for this, to preserve federalism, to preserve state sovereignty. But uh, so during the Constitutional Convention, James Wilson and Governor Morris actually proposed uh, direct election of the president by the people, and that was overwhelmingly sh uh, shot down, eight to two. And there, people had some really choice words about this proposal. Um, they, who was it? Pierce Butler, I think. He warned against. Uh, Basically, it'd be a popular elected king, and it'd be dangerous to the liberty of the people. So they understood that if you have this democratically elected king, and I'm going to get into democracy here in a second, that you know, basically someone is just going to be a demagogue, uh, that type of thing, and go with the, the whims of the public. So the founding generation understood this, and it was really... Uh, very much rejected. And just to give you an example of how they really felt, the popular vote was not even tallied until 1824. Of course, at that time, the founding generation, I mean, they're all out of political life. So up until 18, you know, now we say, you know, like in 16, well, Trump won the Electoral College, but uh, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. She should be president. Well, no one even counted that till 1824. That's how irrelevant it was. You know, it's kind of like an aside. You know, it's like one of those stats like, um, well, he's batting 350 against left-handed pitchers in the eighth inning with two outs when it's 65 degrees out. It's like, okay, it's a fun fact, but, uh, I mean, who cares? I mean, maybe playing money ball you care, but... I mean, even Alexander Hamilton in Federalist 69, as I said, big government... Um, monarchist, really, Hamilton. Actually, I have a thing here. I've got a book. So two sources. I forgot to say this in the beginning. Two sources. You want to learn more about this stuff. You think I'm full of crap making it up. Uh, check me on it. There's a documentary. If you got Prime, I think you can watch it free. Um, it's called... 
I'm drawing a blank, but there's a documentary. It's got my favorite historian, Dr. Kevin Gutzman, um, who have some of his books back here. That's a good one. And then there's a book. I mean, this is just good if you want to. I had it right here. Oh, what is it? The Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution. This is by Dr. Brian McClanahan. He's got a podcast, too, that's really good. It's probably my second favorite podcast. And he's got a little part on the Electoral College, and he talks about some of this stuff. So I do have a recommended reading list at choosewisely.org. Um, I'm building it. I don't have a ton on there now, but I'm going to just have a resources tab. Websites, videos, things you can do to learn more. Uh, if you want to get in deeper than kind of the surface level that I touch on, because there's so much good information out there. So this book is on that, though, if uh, if it interests you. But he, he has some quotes from Hamilton, but he basically talks about how Hamilton in Federal 69... Uh, distinguish between the King of Britain and the President of the U.S. Um, the President could be impeached. Uh, Great Britain's King was sacred. Uh, of course, you have the lineage, you know, the, the bloodline, as opposed to a, a hereditary monarch. That's the word I was looking for. As opposed to someone elected. So there's a lot of differences and many of the founding generation, James Wilson, John Dickinson, Roger Sherman, James Iredell, uh that's how they sold the Constitution. Now after, I mean, we all know how that went, but that's how they sold the Constitution. But the idea of the Electoral College, if you want to put it into one little tagline it's to buffer against the abuses of democracy it's another check on how the on on basically the federal government i should say and i know i'm gonna get this what's wrong with democracy you always hear, oh my gosh. I mean, how about these commercials? Our democracy is under attack. We are not a democracy. Let me say it again. We're not a democracy. We are a constitutional federal republic. Why aren't we a democracy? Oh, crap. All right, we're we're still here. Thanks for bearing with me there. That's that's the fun of a live program, right? You never you never know what can happen. So, anyways, right when I was just all fired up, but we're not a democracy. Democracy is mob rule. Let's give an example. Three people are stranded on a boat and they're hungry. There's no food. Well, two people vote to eat the other person so they can survive the other person says well that's not fair why do i have to be the one eating well it's democracy we voted you see there's this idea out there that if something's voted on that somehow makes it legitimate well we voted on it therefore fill in the blank just because people voted on something doesn't make it moral.
And that's the problem in this country is this thought is perpetuated all throughout the education system. Many people go around thinking it, but think of whatever you think is the most immoral policy. You know, it could be abortion, it could be taxation, whatever you think. If 51% of people say, hey, this is a good idea, we'll vote on it, we won fair and square, 51%, is that right? No. People voting on something doesn't make it automatically moral. Something to think about. Something more people need to realize. I think I've done an episode on this already on the show. I mean, share that stuff. It's how we get more people to know. It's mob rule. The founding generation understood the whims of the people. One day, everyone wants this. They vote for it. Well, the next day, they want that. So they vote for that. And and you can see how it's whimsical. It's short-sighted. I mean, just look at now. If, uh, I mean... Democracy, and this is why the left pushes it so hard, because you have people who are successful, wealthy, whatever, and in a pure democracy, well, you could just vote to have their stuff, right? 51%. uh, We voted to, I'm not going to use Bill Gates because uh, he's got his own issues, but, uh, you know, Warren Buffett. Okay, Warren Buffett. We're going to vote. He's got billions of dollars or whatever. Let's let's just vote to redistribute it, right? I mean, we voted on it. Why not? So, I mean, I think you get the point now. I'm not going to belabor that, but democracy is not by itself moral. And and if you get anything out of this, I mean, just just remember that. Um now in a very small area, democracy can work. So, for instance, at your local level, you know, your township, your city, things like that, where you have people with a very, uh, you know, community-oriented, similar interests, similar culture, similar values, morals and culturally, those type of things, that can work. But you can't have a democracy over a huge group with very, I mean, no one would argue that the United States, as of today, 2020, doesn't have completely different cultures, completely different interests, economics, uh, and otherwise. So you, you, it just doesn't work because there's going to be a faction that just votes to screw everyone else over or screw over the other side, you know, whoever's in the minority. So, you know, the whole one one person, one vote, again, I mean, you know, we vote, ooh, great, you know. But voting is not the end-all, be-all that they make it out. And I hate the virtue signaling. I voted. Look at my sticker. I mean, okay. Cool. Good for you. I mean, you voted. Well, there's a lot of other things you can do. But, again, voting is not the end-all, be-all that our society, our education system, everything promulgates. And it's for the reasons I just said. So, again, I'm not going to belabor that. But uh, very, very important stuff. So now that I blew some steam on that and destroyed half the studio, another question I've received a lot of questions about is faithless electors. And that's something I really only had a very surface understanding of. So 
Uh, I did a little more looking into that for the show. I'm familiar with it, but uh, I wanted to know what I was talking about because I'm, I'm sure that question would come up, and, and understandably, I mean, it is kind of complicated. So a faithless elector is an elector, you know, which I talked about at the beginning of the show, who a faithless elector is one of those electors who doesn't vote the way they pledge to. So they're supposed to vote based on the election results. They say, I'm going to vote however I want. And a lot of people are surprised that that can actually happen, but it there's been 165 instances. Um, that was as of 2016. 63 of them occurred in 1872 when Horace Greeley died after Election Day, but before the Electoral College convened. But in this, in this case of faithless electors, it's pretty much all been third-party candidates or non-candidates as opposed to just and the Democrat voting Republican or Republican voting Democrat. Excuse me. Now, what happens with these faithless electors? Well, again, just like everything else I've talked about in this process, it's a state issue. So certain state laws have civil fines, uh, things like that, penalties, if an elector doesn't vote the way they pledge to. And this has gone. This went to the Supreme Court this year, actually, in I think it was May of this 2020. Uh, this went to the Supreme Court. The case was called. I'm going to butcher the name, so bear with me. Chiafalo v. Washington. So this was a consolidated case. Two different. Um, this happened in two different states. So the state of Washington, state of Colorado. And so this was challenging whether whether that states could punish people for doing this. So the court ruled unanimously uh, that states can enforce this, and, and it's totally uh, a state issue. Now, Sotomayor recused herself from this case because I guess she knew a uh, party to it or something like that. And Kagan, Justice Kagan, wrote the opinion. Now, you can you can pull up this opinion. I have it up right here. It's 33 pages, it looks like. I mean, not too bad. If you want to check it out, I mean, it's not really the most interesting case. Read the case on Whitmer, though. That's 110 pages, but, I mean, at least skim it. Um, but you go to page 3 here. It's page 6, actually. I mean, uh, Kagan is talking about Veep, the, the TV show. She talks about Hamilton the play. I mean, what is this garbage? It's nonsense. She's talk. I mean, this pop culture stuff in a Supreme Court decision. I mean, this stuff's just stupid. I mean, just like RBG, you know, the notorious RBG. You know, she's riding elephants and and doing her workout routine. I mean, that's great. She works out or whatever. But it's like, why do we care about this stuff? Well, I shouldn't say we. I don't. But you know, this whole pop icon thing of Supreme Court justices. I mean, it's just dumb. 
why is this relevant to the case? I mean, you're reading this case. I mean, yeah, maybe you want to watch Veep on your own time because you find it entertaining, but why do I want to read it in the Supreme Court case? Oh, man, she's cool and trendy. She's talking about a Netflix show or whatever it's on. So that's an aside, but I uh, just thought I'd point that out. So, yeah, that's Chia. Chia. Chia Follow v. Washington. Sorry for getting violent on the show, throwing my phone. And then, oh yeah, I want to talk about Justice Thomas, what he had to say, very briefly. So, Justice Thomas, who the best Supreme Court justice on there, one of the best, I mean, definitely the best in recent history, one of the best of all time, certainly, I mean, as far back as I can think. But he wrote a concurrence, uh, which was joined with Gorsuch. Well, part of it was joined with Gorsuch. And he said, nothing in the Constitution prevents states from requiring presidential electors to vote for the candidate chosen by the people. So, Thomas gets it better than the rest. No surprise there. All right, the last thing I want to wrap this up with, if we have any questions, I'll answer them. Happy to do so, um, if I know the answer to that is. But check out this book. Check out the documentary. Check out my reading list, and I'll update it. I'll add more stuff. I mean, it just takes a lot of time. But uh, the National Popular Vote Initiative. Yes, we're getting into that. And I've had questions about this, too, so I think... This will clear some things up. So the National Popular Vote Initiative or Interstate, whatever they're calling it, you know, there's like five letters. Every acronym has to be super long these days. Uh, they were, what it is, is basically a state pledges its electors. If a state joins this initiative, the National Popular Vote, they will pledge their electors to whoever wins the National Popular Vote i.e. whoever just gets the most uh, total popular votes. So what would that mean? That would mean that Michigan in 2016 would have given all their electors to Clinton even though Trump won Michigan because Clinton got the most popular votes. So you can see how this is problematic. I mean, it it is a conniving end around to the electoral college now is it constitutional yes i mean i don't see why not it is i mean because states can again they're sovereign they can do it however they want i mean it's stupid they want to do this but i mean you look um it, it it goes against everything i've said up to this point doing the national popular vote totally upends all that um, it gives us an elected king. I mean, the president already has way too much power. You do it like this, it's just off the wall. It's absurd. All it's going to, I mean, pretty much president, whoever gets up there is going to be who's giving out the most stuff anyways. So it would just be even worse. 
Vote for me, you get free health care, free college, free lunch. I mean, why stop there? Free BMW, free condo, free vacations. I mean, come on, be generous, you know, don't be stingy. If you're giving out free, you know, just like the $15 minimum wage with Biden, why are you being stingy? I mean, if you're going to make it that, let's do 50 bucks, come on. Show me the money. It's dumb. I mean, you know why they want it, though. It, it, the Democrats want it because they know they'd win every single presidential election with this method. Now, the interesting thing about this, so this initiative, states join, and basically what they're doing is saying, okay, if X amount of states join in, then we're going to do it. So I think like as of now, there's like 31 states who have who have supposedly said they would do this. I mean, this is scary. It's coming. I mean, I don't I don't know when, but it's on the horizon and look out for it because it's coming. I mean, it's you know how it is with the left. I mean, they're so persistent. They're gonna get their way with this. I mean, mark my words. Maybe it might be four years from now, whatever. But they're really making ground with it. I mean, you, what you will have is municipalities in California and New York deciding every single election. New York City and L.A. out there. I mean, think how many people are out there. So you'll have these crazy leftist policies. Everyone in flyover country. I mean, screw you guys, I guess. I mean, it, it, it's going to be bad. I mean, we got to do something. I mean, that's something to pay attention to, but it's coming. I mean, it's just how it is because people think democracy is awesome. People think the electoral college is awful. People think, you know, government's here to, um, you know, wipe your butt for you. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's where we're at. But the real pernicious thing, you have Republicans doing this too. You know, I mean, I've talked a lot about, said some negative things about Democrats and, and uh you know liberals but but i mean here's the dirty little secret if you live in uh hillsdale county in branch county your elected officials have pushed for this too state senate and state rep i mean i know a lot of you already know this i i'm not sure who's who's all on right now but uh Hopefully people are still on. I, I should check on that. What if everyone just was logged off and I was just talking to no one? That'd be pretty funny. Um. Okay, so. Why would Republicans push it? I mean, think, I don't know. This is not a rhetorical question. Why would Republicans push this? You think about it. You're a Republican. Uh, you're never going to win a presidential election. I mean, why would you want that? It just seems... I mean, it seems odd, and like I said, if anyone has an answer to that, I'm, I'm asking it as a, as a serious question. I have, I have a few ideas, but, but think about it. I mean, my only, well, I mean, I can get, I mean, could be bribery or something like that. I mean, there's, there's those aren't my allegations. You can find those articles. I'm not going to go down that path, but uh, in this episode, at least, um. But I think it's just cozying up to the left because what do 
establishment Republicans do time and time again. They sell their conservative districts right down the river because they want to appease the left. Well, you can't appease the left because they want full compliance. They want they want you dead, but they'll settle for submission. But if you're not going to submit completely, they aren't going to let you off the hook. So when these politicians are trying to, oh, I'm the moderate guy, I'm the compromise, we'll, we'll do national popular vote, we'll screw over the entire country so that now I can run for governor in a couple years. Well, thanks a lot. I'm glad you're looking out for our interests. I mean, it's just awful. you got to hold these people accountable. And I know some of these people on here do do it. So I'm not saying, I'm not calling anyone watching this out, but I'm just saying something to look forward to. If you have someone running, for your state-level office, because that's where it's determined. Again, these are state things, so the state legislature is going to decide if the state gets in on this. Hard no. I mean, you've got to not vote for someone who supports that. And if they do, and if they're already in, you, I mean, call them, email them, do what you got to do, because, I mean, if it, once this happens, I mean, we're screwed. Not that we're not already, but you, you know what I mean. So... Say no to the national popular vote. One one final analogy I want to give, and this was from uh, Dr. Kevin Gutzman. I think I heard it from on a podcast where he said, you know, because people, people say, well, someone won the popular vote. They, why shouldn't they be president? And he says, well, think of it like a baseball game. Okay, say the Mets and Yankees are playing in the World Series, Subway Series. If... Uh, the Yank, if the Mets, if the Mets win the first game, ten to nothing. Best, I mean, I presumably best of seven series, right? It's the World Series, okay? They win the first game, ten nothing. The the Mets do. The Yankees win the next four games, one to zero. Who wins the World Series? The Yankees. They won four games. The Mets won one. They won it in five. But the Mets wouldn't say, well, we scored more runs. We should win the World Series, right? That's not how it works. So same thing here. You can get the most total votes. Who cares? You got to get the most states. The states created the federal government. That's what it comes down to. So that's all I got. Um, I'll check the comments here. It kind It might lag on me, so bear with me. Thanks for uh, sitting through that and bearing with my... Uh, you know, my rage, breaking the uh, lights and everything else. So, I'm checking here, and uh, you got any questions? If not, then... Uh, yeah, the UPS truck, I mean, all this crap today, you know, I mean, I think you guys know how I feel on it. Uh I mean, I don't have any, I don't know anything you guys don't know. You guys probably followed, some of you guys have probably followed a lot closer than I have. So I don't really have too much to say. I mean, there's definitely some fraud at play. Uh, I mean, it, it's sketchy stuff, certainly. Certainly. Well, we got 20 comments here. I'm pulling it up. Like I said, it takes a second. So, uh, you know, comment in there. And uh, again, thank you. So John Smith, Darren Wisely is going for the Hillsdale County Republican Party chair tomorrow. Sozo Church in Hillsdale, 7 p.m. Come out and help this happen. 
You heard him. And yes, I am. And uh, I am running for the Hillsdale County Republican Party chair. Obviously, that's not the point of this episode. But the reason I'm doing so is so we get principle. I mean, we're a conservative district. I think we need to get candidates elected who represent our values. And if we give the party some teeth, you know, build the party. Um, you know, there's really two things that I'm really highly interested in. It's one, uh, sticking to our principles. So that's getting principled candidates elected, you know, through all our local offices. So we get people who actually reflect our community values, conservative values, not, you know, establishment values, not liberal tax and spend, you know, crap like that. So that's important. And then two is I really want to grow the party and, by doing it, I mean, you look, the left, like I said, they're always winning. Uh, but if we can get younger people involved and we can teach them, you know, the economics, the Constitution, the fundamentals of liberty, why being free matters and is actually a lot cooler, you know, than being a slave to government, but, you know, they give you a check or whatever, then that's the future. Because if we don't look 10 years down the road plant these seeds i mean look where we're headed look what we're doing right now i mean we're doomed if we don't do something so those are kind of my two key things but i'm not going to dwell on that because that's not what you guys came here for but if you want to get involved with the party show up seven o'clock um love to have you out there thank you megan hey megan congrats on your victory by the way um Megan, soon to be Judge Stiverson, uh, very highly qualified. She won her election. I don't think anyone's surprised, but uh, that'll be great. I'm sure she'll do great serving our community. So, cool stuff. Congrats, Megan. <laughs> Who posted this Obama UPS thing? <laughs> Trey. All right, well, I don't see any more questions. Um, I appreciate the kind comments. And uh, I appreciate your guys' time. Well, I mean, like I said, this, I've been doing this two, three times a week. If this is your first interaction with this show, then check out Based Liberty on, it's on YouTube, but if you're a podcast, you know, then Apple, Spotify, yada, yada, all that good stuff. Podcatcher, I mean, some of these have weird names. Spotify. And uh, that's all. That's all I see here. So I think I just got. You guys keep posting gifts, and then I can't see what's going on. Trey Conrad, one of my friends, said we need to abolish the electoral college. Well, what's the first thing I should say to this individual? Uh, ask him or her. Well, I won't say anything too derogatory. Uh, I tell them to watch this episode. Um, I think they'd enjoy it. So, well, they might not enjoy it, but maybe they could. Like I said, the point of this is to learn something. You know, I, I don't do these podcasts to preach to the choir. I mean, that's fun. I mean, I love having you guys here, you know, my friends, family, and whatever. But uh, I want, I would really like to see people who, on the fence, maybe about a certain issue, see another side and say, oh, okay, maybe their mind's not changed, but maybe they at least hear a different view that they haven't been told. And that's really what I like to do. Tell them they're wrong. All right, I guess I got a little too worked up there. Sorry about that. I'll try not to break anything else.
because you'd be in jail. All right, guys, I think that's enough here. This gets too long. I'm never going to be able to save and upload it. So thanks for tuning in. This was Base Liberty, episode 32. Check us out. Go to choosewisely.org. Follow me on Twitter. You guys already have me on all that. All right, take care, guys, and uh, stay safe out there. Thank you.